Well, this morning is our last Sunday. Well, it's the last Sunday of, of August, which means summer is wrapping down. So it's going to be our last Sunday Summer in the Psalms series. And this morning, I want us to turn to Psalm 84. Psalm 84, we're going to focus on verses 5 through 7, but I want to just begin by reading the whole psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. And then let's just pray and ask God to bless, speak to our hearts this morning through his word. But let's begin by reading Psalm 84 together. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my God and my King. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And Father, we pray this morning, we know your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between bone and marrow. We ask that our hearts be good ground, that we would be good ground for what you want to say. And I ask you, Father, to speak your heart to us this morning through this time. Minister, encourage, grow us, work in us, Lord. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, last week we looked at Psalm 46 which encourages us to be still and know that God is God. And there are times when we need to be still. There are times when we need to quiet our souls. We live in such a noisy day. We have noise available that, you know, 100 or 200 years ago, they didn't have available to them. But we literally can be surrounded by noise, by distractions. Is anybody else like me where uh, if, if there's just a moment or two, a couple of minutes... Do you pull out your phone to scroll something or look at something? Um, I, I just find like I'm, it's, it's a struggle not to pull the phone out when I get a couple minutes and I'm just kind of sitting by myself. Janice goes in to get a, a fork or something and I'm pulling my phone out. Like, can't I just enjoy the moment? 
so much noise. So there's a, there's a time, as we saw last week, to anchor our souls, to, to kind of still ourselves, and to get to know God because we know him in the quiet. So there's a time to be still. But there's also a time we need to keep moving. If Psalm 46 is a be still psalm, Psalm 84 is a keep moving psalm. Keep moving and know that God is God. Especially in hard times. Especially in trials. There's a, there's a saying that says, when you're going through a hard time, keep going. And that's kind of the burden on my heart this morning. I've titled the message, How to Get Through What You're Going Through. And that's where we want to go, because the setting for this psalm is pilgrimage. They are, they are uh, longing to go to the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and the psalmist loves the house of God, because in those days, in the Old Testament, the house of God, the temple, represented the presence of God. That is where God chose to reside in power and in glory. So to go to the temple was to go to the presence of God. And that's what the psalmist longs for. He longs for the presence of God. He longs and faints and hungers and thirsts to be in the presence of God. And he says, how lovely is your dwelling place. I love it. I love to be in your presence. Even the birds love to be in your presence. Now, thankfully today, we don't need to make a pilgrimage to a location in order to be in the presence of God. Jesus is our Emmanuel. God with us. And he resides in us through the Holy Spirit. So wherever we go, the presence of God is with us. But nevertheless, the Bible talks a lot about the Christian life being one of movement. Of movement. The, pilgrim, the Christian life is a pilgrimage that begins the moment we hear Jesus call us Follow me. Follow me. Movement. And we see that all, all over the place. Our, our walk is a walk. We don't have the Christian sit. We have the Christian walk. Movement. The Bible uh, says that Abraham called, uh, or God called Abraham and said, I want you to leave your native land, and I want you to go to a place I will show you. So Abraham starts moving by faith. He doesn't even know where he's going, but he's moving. He's moving. Jesus commands us to go into all the nations. Uh, Proverbs 3 says that if we acknowledge God in all our ways, he will direct our paths, movement. Peter says we're sojourners just passing through this world. And Paul, I love it, in Philippians chapter 3 where he says, I press on, I advance for the high calling of Christ which, for which he called me. Movement, movement, movement. So <clears throat> it turns out that <clears throat> uh, Rascal Flats was right. Life is a highway. <laughs> Verse 5 tells us this. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, speaking of God, in whose heart are the highways. Now, your version may say, why is he stopping there? Because my version says the highways 
to Zion. Well, the word to Zion has been added in appropriately in the sense that it's there to clarify because later on he speaks of the travel to Zion. But the word to Zion is not in the original Hebrew. It's just in whose hearts are the highways towards God. That's what we want to have, a heart with a highway moving towards God. When Janice and I, many years ago, were going through a very um, significant transition in life. And you know all the, the things that go on when you're in a big transition and all the details and logistics and the concerns about what the new thing's going to look like and what you're leaving and everything. And her dad had pulled us aside and reminded us. He said, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Don't be so consumed with getting where you're going that you don't enjoy getting there, the journey. Because every day really is a gift from God. Blessed are those in whose hearts are the highways towards God. Who remember this world is not our final home. We're just passing through. And sometimes as we travel with God on the highway of life, we go through trials. We go through hard times. We go through valleys with pain in them or sadness in them or tears in them. And verse 6 tells us that. As they go through the valley of Baca, Baca means weeping. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. I love the picture here. It's such a graphic picture. As, as they are traveling, there's a point at which they go through a valley. But it's not just any valley. It's a valley of weeping, a valley of Baca, a valley of tears. And as they go through this valley, they turn it into a place of refreshing. The hard place becomes a good place. The tears become refreshment that strengthen them and bring life to them. Because their strength is in God. It's in that valley of Baca that we often come to know God in a closer way. We come more intimate with God in the valleys. Often the valley is what makes us stronger. Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know Jesus in the fellowship of his sufferings. If life was all just sunshine and, and, and sweet times, we would be anemic spiritually we have a hummingbird feeder outside our screened in porch and the hummingbirds come and you know what that's filled with it's filled with sugar water and that's all they eat they just come and i mean they're moving so fast and they pop in for a drink of sugar water and i'm like man i could not live on sugar all the time Grab a, grab a hamburger or something you know i feel like leaving a steak out for the hummingbirds but we need protein. We need more than just sweet days. And the valleys often are where our hearts get raw enough and insensitive enough where we sense the presence of God. And often we look back and say, I never want to go through that again, but I'm so glad I did. And that's a precious thing. But that's not my main point. My main point that I want to draw from these verses 
When God has us go through the valley of weeping, he means for us to go through the valley of weeping, not stay there. Keep moving. Now listen, I'm, I'm not saying, because I realize in life that, that there could be some going through a long and very deep valley. You might be in that valley right now. So I want to be sensitive. What, and I, want, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying here. I'm not saying you rush the valley. I'm not saying you hurry through or that you can make it short. How long, how short, how deep that valley is, that's God's call. That's God's call. That's up to God. But what I'm saying is don't pitch your tent in the valley. Don't stop there and stop moving forward. The valley may be a lot longer than you want it to be. Some, some valleys are lifelong. But keep moving. Keep moving. When you're going through a hard time, keep going. Don't stop. The way we get through, what we're going through, is to keep going through. That's profound, isn't it? God gives us strength to keep moving. God gives, he puts a highway in our heart. Not a cul-de-sac. Not a dead end. A highway in our hearts. Life is a highway. Not a parking lot. So I want to share two thoughts briefly with you to kind of help you if you're going through something, to help you get through what you're going through. The first thought is this. When valleys make it hard to see any good coming down the road, coming your way, persevere. When valleys make it hard to see any good coming your way, persevere. See, here's the thing about valleys. You can't see very far in any direction. When you're in a deep valley, you cannot see very far. Peripheral sight is, is completely blocked by the walls of the valley. And you can't see very far ahead in the valley either. And so you, you really don't have, that's, valleys in life are like that too. You often, you can't see very far when you're in the midst of a valley of weeping or trial or discouragement. It's hard to see beyond today. Everywhere we look, we see valley. And it feels like the valley will never end. And this is all I've got. And this is all life will ever be. We'll never get to the other side. And that can tempt us to just stop trying. On July 4th, 1952, a woman named Florence Chadwick attempted to become the first woman to swim from Catalina Island to California coast. It was a 21-mile swim in shark-infested waters. And she began... That swim in cold, foggy conditions. And after 15 hours of swimming in the cold, she begged for the support boat to draw, bring her in. And they tried to talk her out. You're doing great. You're doing great. But she finally just stopped swimming. And they had to pull her in to the, bo to the boat. And then once on the boat, she realized she was only a half a mile away from the shore. At the news conference the next day, she said, all I could see was frog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. Two months later, she attempted it again. Same foggy conditions, but now she had a vision in her mind. Let's call that faith. 
She could see where she was going, and she made it. She made it. Sometimes we need to see through the valley with faith. Because when we look the situation, the situation, the situation, we don't see any break in it. We don't see any good coming out of it. We don't see any hope coming out of it. And that's when we need to see with eyes of faith. Because nobody goes into a valley for the view. Nobody goes into a valley to see the horizon. Valleys block our vision. When we're in a low trough in life, that's all we can see. And I've been there. I'm sure many of you have been there. I was there a year ago, a, a low trough where the walls of discouragement seemed to close in on me from all sides. And, and I'm, a, I'm a pretty stubborn optimist. You can ask my wife. I'm a pretty stubborn optimist. But God had me go through a season where all I could see was valley. And I felt like giving up. And God in his grace, he led me to some pools of grace. He brought an early rain. He says he brings the early rains and he makes pools. God, by his spirit, we're walking along and there's these holes and dryness and barrenness. And then God brings an early rain of his spirit and his grace and his love. And all of a sudden, those empty, dry holes become pools that we can refresh in and we can swim in. And that's really what happened to me. God used different people. God used different things to change my heart, my vision. I could see above the valley wall. Nothing changed in the valley initially. Nothing changed in the valley. But God brought pools of refreshing. He brought early rains that began to give me a new sense of vision and hope and faith in the Lord and, and trust in the Lord. And I began to believe what God could do and what God would do. And hope began. So maybe someone is in that place right now. And every one of us is at some point or will be at some point in that place and all you see are the valley walls. And you might feel like giving up. And what that looks like could be different for different people. It, it could simply mean you keep doing what you're doing, but you stop praying. You stop drawing close to God. You just say, I'm just going to go through the motions. Whatever it looks like, what I want to encourage us from this psalm is keep moving. Keep moving. Let God bring that valley of tears and turn it into a place where you are refreshed. Let God bring the early rains, the rains that come before they should come. Before you're out of the valley, the rains are causing those dry divots to become pools that you can refresh your soul in. Keep going. Keep pressing on. The Bible says that hard times produce perseverance. You know what perseverance is? It's, I'm going to keep going. That's what perseverance is. I'm going to keep going. I don't get, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to resign. I'm not going to mail it in. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to go through what I'm going through. But I'm going to go through. So persevere. My second point 
is this. Remember your destination. Verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. There, there is the word in Zion. They go from strength to strength. God doesn't give us all the strength we need for all our lives in the moment. He gives it incrementally. They go from strength. I'm feeling a strength to do this today. Tomorrow, I feel strength to do a little more. That's because that's how God does it in our lives. We go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength. And we're moving towards they appear until they appear before God. Do you hear the, the motion in that? We are moving, going, a highway in our heart that's taking us into the presence of God. The destination isn't the valley. The destination isn't the trial. The destination is God. And as we travel through life, we need to remember our destination. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says that God predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. You know what your des destination in life is? It's to be more like Jesus. And there's no greater thing God could do in us than that. Predestined just means there's your destination and I've already got it picked out for you. And that predestined destiny destination is to be more like Jesus Christ. That's not only our destiny, that's our identity. That's who we are. That's who we are now. That's who we're becoming. We are in Christ. We are righteous in Christ through faith and justified. And then through the sanctifying where the Holy Spirit, he's actually making us, chiseling us so that our lives and our thoughts and our actions actually do look more like Jesus Christ. That's our identity. So here's what I want to say. One of the ways we can stop going through what we're going through and pitch a tent in the valley is by trying to derive our identity from the valley, from the trial. We try to, we begin to think of ourselves in terms of the trial and we make the valley our destination. So a couple of examples, we get hurt. Raise your hand if you've never been hurt by anybody in all of your life. And don't, because maybe somebody here has. But come on, haven't we all been hurt by somebody? People hurt us. And by the way, we've all hurt people too. That's the valley. Maybe you're right now. Maybe you've been hurt by someone. They've said something or done something that has hurt you deeply. That's the valley. That's a very real valley. But when we refuse to forgive, when we start thinking and dreaming about getting back at them, we're making the hurt our home. It becomes our identity and we become bitter. Or we experience failure. Again, I'm tempted to say, raise your hand if you have never failed at anything. And no one here would do that except someone who's sitting here alone. They don't have any friends, any family, or anybody who knows them. Because that person would jump up and say, they have failed. Failure is a valley. It can be a very deep valley. It can be a very painful valley. But when we label ourselves a failure... We're turning that valley into our destination, our identity. We stop taking risks. We expect to fail. 
That becomes our identity. I'm just a loser. I'm just a failure. I never do anything right. Or, or people disappoint us or circumstances disappoint us or, what, or just everything. That's a valley. But when we allow ourselves to become cynical and suspicious of people, if you are cynical about everybody and suspicious about everybody, that's not the Spirit of God working in you. And we shouldn't be gullible. We shouldn't be gullible. We should be careful. But, but we shouldn't walk around as Christians like, yeah, what's your game? What are you really here for? Is this your first time here? Why are you here? You know, it, it should be like, glad you're here. We can become suspicious. Or cynical, nothing ever works out. Life always goes wrong. It's going to go wrong again. And what's happening is we're then turning that into disappointment into our zip code, permanent zip code. So how do we tell the difference between a valley, going through a valley, and making the valley our destination? I have a, a little bit of a strange uh, thought about this, but uh, I want to encourage you to do the sniff test. Sniff test. You're thinking, what in the world? So I admit this is on my mind because of something that happened to Janice and I this week. We began to smell a smell in our garage that was pretty sure something died. There's a unique smell. It's not pleasant. I'm always surprised at how some creatures smell a rotting dead carcass and are like, mmm, dinner. I don't get it. I don't get it. But we weren't thinking dinner. We were like, we got to find this thing. So we began to clean the entire garage. And sure enough, at one point, I look in a, uh, one of those five-gallon buckets full of scrap wood, and there in it is a dead chipmunk. Yeah, I don't know whether he f got into it and couldn't get out. I don't know exactly what happened. But he was dead, and it was kind of gross. Um, now here's the thing, if we rewrote his destiny, if he had gotten into our garage, kept moving, and got out, he'd be alive today, probably. But he stopped moving. He died, and he began to stink. That garage was his permanent destination now, and he began to stink things up. So the sniff test means if we start to smell unforgiveness in our heart, in our thoughts, in our attitude, or bitterness, I smell a bitter attitude in myself. It doesn't just mean you've been hurt. Hurt does not equate to bitterness. It means you've pitched your tent in hurt. Hurt has become your identity. You see your identity as I'm a hurt person. And if we don't forgive over time, hurt turns to bitterness and bitterness starts to stink our souls up. Let go of unforgiveness, move towards forgiveness. Love that person. You may not reconcile. <clears throat> Sometimes you can't. Sometimes there's no way to go and reconcile. It might be someone in your life and maybe they've even passed on. <clears throat> and there's no reconciling it, but you know what you can do? You can forgive them in your heart. You can love them. You can pray for them. And you can move on. So the sniff test is, what does your attitude smell like? 
Be honest. Be honest. If you've resigned to failure, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, or, or you reek of self-pity, or, or constantly compare yourselves to others, or you just don't care anymore, take a good smell. Don't do this to other people, but take the sniff test of your soul and your character and your heart, and maybe you'll find, I have pitched a tent in a valley. I've pitched a tent in this valley of you know, self-pity. Why is this happening to me? And why does everybody else have a better life? Why does it? And you, oh, you smell. It's like, that's not good. Keep moving. How do you move? First of all, repent. That's cleaning the old chipmunk out, getting that stinky thing out. Repentance is, I'm getting this out. I'm getting this attitude. God, please forgive me for not forgiving somebody. Forgive me for holding on to that bitterness. Forgive me for whatever it is, not being thankful for what you have blessed me with. I repent of it. Let's get that out. And let's keep moving. The Bible doesn't say we go from hurt to hurt or failure to failure or disappointment to disappointment. It says we go from strength to strength as we move towards God. As we close this morning, whatever the valley Whatever the weeping, I promise you God wants to meet you right there. God wants to meet you right there. This is not to make light of valleys. They can be deep. They can be long. This isn't just, just get over it kind of message. Not at all. It may take time. It may take a lot of tears. But remember, the valley isn't the destination Jesus is. Appearing before God as his precious daughter. That's your destination, ladies. Appearing before God as your beloved son, as his beloved son. That's your destination, brothers. That's the destination. Your destination, according to Romans chapter 8, is to be a more than a conqueror in Christ. Your destination is to be chosen by God before the foundation of the world. Your valley may be long, it may be weary, it may be hard, but your destination is to finish the race and receive the crown of life. Your destination is to be like Christ and to be with him forever. Amen? How good is that? How good is that? Let's pray. Let's ask God this morning to give us strength to go through what we're going through and get through to the other side. Father, we thank you this morning. You never leave us, Lord. Your strength is inexhaustible. And Lord, all that we need is in you. Father, I know there's, there may be someone here, I know what it's like to feel so weak to feel like I wish I could get there but I don't have the strength to feel so discouraged that words don't lift the heart you read the Bible it doesn't say anything to our hearts and we feel like giving up we feel like stopping and I pray for anyone in that place Father, would you bring early rains? 
Would you fill those dry, empty places with pools of refreshing? Father, would you bring grace in the, in the, in the form of people, encouraging relationships, in the form of speaking to them through your word and in their prayer, that they begin to find pools even as they walk and pray. Father, maybe other means as well. Let them find pools to help them keep on keeping on. Father, if there's anyone here who's kind of stuck in a place and it's beginning to stink, I pray, God, that you would help them to be honest and to repent of that by giving it to you, confessing it to you, and saying, God, I don't want this anymore. Help me. I know that your word promises me that the destination you've called me to is to be like Jesus. Help me. Work in me. I repent of this sin of whatever it might be. And Lord, I do pray for those who might be in a, a, a deep valley and need to come out the other side. I pray that you would help end that valley, that Lord, in your good timing, but Lord, we pray that you would bring them to a new place, bring them to a better place, bring them to a place where they can see the sunset and they can see your goodness and they can have that joy in the journey, Lord. Bring them through the valley, Lord, and do your good work there, but bring them to the other side, Father, we pray. And Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name.